class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger and where I learn how to be an overcomer. It's no fun being overcome, being overwhelmed, being a victim, being defeated. That's not God's plan. There's a lot of it going on, a lot of it going around, but then again, there's a lot of stuff in this world that's not pleasing to God, not His will. And uh, it's not that you have to be, you know, so much smarter. It's not that you, only a few special ones can experience God's intervention. You don't have to be able to quote half the Bible or, or spend, you know, half the day on your knees. Uh, it's, it comes down to choices, a choice to believe and trust God. You can do that. You can make that. You can make that choice before you have any clue how God could get you out of your situation. You can just make a choice to believe it's possible, believe He's real, believe He cares about you. The Bible said if you, if you come to God, you got to believe that He is he exists. And of course, if he's God, if he made the heavens and the earth, he can do anything. You got to believe that he exists and he is who he is. He's God. And you got to believe he's a rewarder of those that seek him. You got to, you got to believe that if you sincerely reach out to him, you draw near to him, he said he would res respond. He would draw near to you. So let's do it by faith right now. Father, all of us, by faith, draw near to you. We reach out to you, knowing you said you would draw near to us. We, we ask for the answers that we need right now. We ask for the direction and guidance and help, for the strength, the enlightenment, the wisdom, the truth. And with your help, we purpose to not just forget about it and let it go and slide, but to put it into practice. Start living it. Start doing it. Because then we know you have every right to watch over it and perform it and bring it to pass in our lives. We say, even so, let it be. Do, let it be so and get glory to yourself in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Look with me, please, again in our, in our text where we've been talking about overcoming unbelief. In Hebrews, the third and fourth chapters, we were looking again yesterday, talking about verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And talking about that first generation of Israelites that were delivered from Egyptian bondage, verse 18, he said, To whom swore he in that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. And so we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. 
if all things are possible with God, if all things are possible with him that believes, if God is a good God, if he really, if, if the price has been bought and paid for our salvation, our peace, our deliverance, our healing, our infilling, our needs met, why are so many experiencing lack and failure? And, and what the, much of the organized church has done, they said, well, it's just, just not always God's will. To them, that, that explains everything. And also, this is one of the enemy's favorite church doctrines. Because if everything's God's will, then that encourages everybody to be completely passive and lazy spiritually and do nothing. And also, if everything is God, then it's like the devil doesn't even exist. So nobody's going to resist the enemy because they're assuming everything that's happening is God. Everything is God's will. If it happens, it was God's will. If it didn't happen, it was God's will. That's one of the devil's favorite church teachings. But it's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible teaches. No. Why do we need to be cautioned against unbelief? If everything that, that happens is God's will and God's will is going to happen no matter what you do or don't do, what does my faith have to do with it? No, the truth is, they were robbed by refusal to believe God. They were robbed by a disobedient, a defiant unbelief. That's what kept them out of having their own houses, their own properties, their own lands. Think about what a dream it is for a, what, sixth generation Slave to own their own place? Huh? What kind of dream is that? You know what that is? That's gospel. What do you mean? That's good. That's seem like too good to be true news. And that's where folks get hung up and stumble. They think it's too good to be true. What the Word of God says. That we have in Christ. And what his will for us is. It seems you know, like a fairy tale to people. And that's what that, that group that perished in the wilderness. That's what it was to them. They're like no nah, that's, that's a fantasy. That's, that's never going to happen. Look at them. Look at us. There's no way we can fight them. Well that was a lie. The next generation did. Right? It happened. Look at those walled cities. Nobody can get through those walled cities. They did. In fact, Jericho, they didn't even have to. Is that, you remember that? God caused the walls to fall down flat. That's astounding. We're talking about a geological event. <laughs> and uh, there's so many ways God can do things that never crossed our mind. And that's, that's not what we have to know or figure out. All we got to do is believe the good news. Believe it's possible. Believe if he said it, he can do it. Right? Yeah. Believe if he wants it for me, 
I can have it and agree with him and listen to him. And when he says do something, obey him. That's faith, acting on what he said. So just like then, it wasn't the walled cities or giants that kept them out. It was their own unbelief that kept them out. Even so today, unbelief is robbing many, many Christians, many, many church-going people. And it is an insidious, subtle, pervasive thing, this this thing called unbelief. And that's why we're cautioned about it. Take heed, beware, watch. The scripture keeps telling us about this insidious stuff called unbelief. Well, by the grace of God, you and I are not going to stay in the dark. Huh? We are not going to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. We're not going to fall prey to being robbed like them and like so many are. We are going to see the Word of God. We're going to fill our ears with it. You're going to keep coming back to faith school, aren't you? I mean, we're just going to camp on this until these scriptures are a permanent part of us. And the Spirit of God can bring them to our remembrance and quicken us. And when the enemy is trying to get us into this ugly unbelief, we'll go, oh, oh, no, no, no. We don't do that. We don't talk like that. We don't lay and cry and feel sorry for ourselves all night. We don't yield to fear. We don't talk that disrespect. All of these things that unbelief is, we will be on guard and forearmed and ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And not let it steal from us. It goes on to say that uh, they couldn't enter in because of this unbelief. And chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So just like 1 Corinthians 10 in the New Testament talks about, everything that happened to them, being brought out of Egypt, the signs, wonders, miracles, being brought through the Red Sea, uh, waters of Marah, all of those places, all the way up to Kadesh Barnea, all of that uh, is graphical type of redemption. God's plan of redemption, God's plan for us as believers, the salvation, the deliverance, And the amazing, sounds too good to be true, promised land. That's not just for heaven. Some people have tried to attribute all that to heaven. They say, well, yeah, yeah, promised land. That's heaven. There are no giants in heaven. Right? You don't have to fight giants in heaven. The enemy's down here. And it's down here where we have to learn to use our faith to overcome. And uh, thank God, we don't have to be like the first generation. We can be like the next bunch behind Joshua, right? That went in and took that thing, right? And put up their hammock. Is that right? And was able to survey. Think about that now. The second generation that went in. Think about Caleb. He took that mountain. His kids and grandkids lived there. And think about Caleb's uh, grandson, granddaughter, looking over their estates, looking over their farms and their ranch and their house and thinking, 
you know, grandpa, great grandpa, uh, great, 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 great grandpa back in Egypt. This was only a, a dream for them. And they are standing in it. They are living in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you have things that previous generations of your people never had? Yeah, you can. Can you experience things? Can you be a part of things? Can you do things? Can you be, instead of being the needy, can you be the giver? Can you underwrite gospel works? Hallelujah. Can you do things that seemed impossible to previous generations or even to yourself a few years ago? You can't do it enwrapped in unbelief. (laughs) You got to get this ugly stuff off of you, out of you. So that your faith rises and is free. It will only happen by faith. He goes on to say, he said, verse 2, the gospel, to us the gospel was preached as well as to them. Gospel simply means good news, the good report. Their good news was the deliverance in the promised land. Our good news is in Christ. The word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Go with me back to the book of Psalms, please, because as this becomes more, you become more aware of this, what we're talking about, this subject, you'll see more and more of the Word of God is tied directly to it. There is so much of the Bible that's tied to what happened with Israel in the deliverance out of Egypt and all those things, because it's more than history. Somebody say more than history. It's more than history. Does it matter to you? It directly relates to you and and you to it. Because the faith principles and spiritual principles never change. No matter how many generations come and go. God doesn't change. Faith doesn't change. Fear doesn't change. Unbelief doesn't change. But in Psalm uh, 85, did I tell you that or not? Psalm 85, excuse me. I'm I'm telling you wrong again. 81, Psalm 81, 5 we'll start with. It says, He ordained in Joseph a testimony. He went out through the land of Egypt where I heard a language I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. That's what the Bible said the anointing does for us today, right? It removes burdens. But this is a deliverance from bondage, slavery, being somebody else's property. Now you might say, well, you know, that that doesn't really apply to us. We don't have slavery in this country anymore. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Millions are in hard bondage of spiritual slavery. They don't realize it, but they are not their own. They are in bondage. And you only get free in Christ. And his anointing is what affects it. He said, uh, it's verse 7, you called in trouble and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I proved you at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I'll testify to you, O Israel, if you'll hearken to me. There shall no strange God be in you, neither shall you worship any strange God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Which is what all babies have to do in order for you to feed them. Is that right? And what if they want them to open their mouth? That's when moms and dads become creative. They go, here comes the airplane and open the hangar. <laughs> but what if it's uh, some kind of green pea mix or something that they, they don't like and they're going, hmm. Well, they, they, I'm saying, why did the Lord say, open your mouth wide? He's not going to force feed you. He's not going to pry your mouth open and force it down you. That's why you have to open your mouth wide. Open your mouth wide. Who's going to do that? You are. I am. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Fill it with what? Good stuff. Good things. The land that flows with milk and honey. They brought back the fruit of it, uh, grapes, pomegranates, figs, dates, good stuff. Somebody say good things, good, good things. He fills your mouth with good things, uh, uh, the 103rd Psalm said, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We're talking about rejuvenation nutrition that quickens you, that uh, anti-aging Youth is renewed. You know, that literally happened to Abraham and Sarah. It's astounding what happened to them, especially to Sarah. Uh, anyway, he said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And that, that should be happy, happy times. But verse 11. Rains on the parade. But what? My people, not talking about the heathen, my people would not hearken to my voice. Israel would none of me. They didn't. Now, now see, we're still talking about why that first generation died in the desert. Why? They didn't want him. They didn't want God's input. They kept saying, leave us alone. They didn't like who he picked with Moses. They didn't like Aaron. They, they tried to get new leadership. They said, we're going back to Egypt. You will see, and it's one, re one reason I wanted you to read this psalm, God literally pleading with them. Stop this. Work with me. God pleading with his creation. After he did miracles nobody ever heard about to get them out of a situation they could have never got themselves out of. After that, they still was like, you know, they would none of me. So I gave them to, up to their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. What does that mean? They did it their way. They wouldn't look, God said they wouldn't listen to me. 
That's why this thing in, in Hebrews 3, evil heart of unbelief. This is not innocent. They, they knew too much to act like that. And why are we talking about it? He said, take heed lest that kind of thing be in you. Verse 13, listen to the heart of God. That's what I, especially what I wanted you to see in this. You can hear it, the Spirit of God. Oh, that my people had hearkened to me and that Israel had walked in my ways. You know, we, we saw that in Hebrews 3. He said, they, they never learned my ways. They never learned how I do things. They never learned who I am and what I am. Why? Not because it's so hard and obscure and impossible mysteries. It's because they didn't want to. They had their own agenda. That's the biggest problem today on the earth. When I first started in the ministry some 40 years ago, I, I learned about some things about redemption and about uh, our authority and, and, and things I didn't know and about faith. And I'm thinking, well, this is the problem. People just don't know this. Because, and, and then I, I got a hold of a half of a verse that, in Hosea that says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I thought, well, that's it. People just don't know. And so the biggest problem is people don't know. And if they only know and find out, then whew, they can get saved, they can get free, and this thing can get fixed. But uh, as the years went by, at some point I read the rest of the verse in Hosea. <laughs> and it actually said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And went on to say, because you have rejected knowledge. That's why they were destroyed. Not just ignorance, but rejection of knowledge. And eventually I came to see, no, ignorance is not the biggest problem. The Bible said Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. And at one point it said, though they had seen so many miracles that he did, yet they refused to believe on him. And at one point he said, they have both seen and hated both me and my father. I've heard, I heard a preacher one time say, well, you know, to, to know God, know, know about God is to love him. And that sounds good, but it's just not true. Millions have heard something that was really God and hated it. Millions have experienced something, a taste of God here and there, of His presence, of something. And the Bible said uh, that, you know, some have loved darkness because their deeds were evil and hated the light. And it comes back to what we've been talking about for days now. It's all a choice. It's a choice that He won't make for you. It's a choice. And so you can choose to disbelieve. You can choose to disrespect. You can choose to disobey and reject. You're a fool if you do. I'm a fool if I do. Or you can be smart. Like faith school people. Is that right? You can be. You, you can get it together. With God's help. And you can say, uh-uh, no. I'm trusting him. 
today, tonight, tomorrow, every day the rest of my life, when I breathe my last breath, leave this life, somebody say, I'm trusting God. I'm, I'm trusting Him, which means you listen to Him. He said, oh, that my people had hearkened to me, that Israel had walked in my ways. What, would it, what was God's plan for them? I would have soon subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. He would have made quick work of all those giants, that whole bunch, walled cities, iron chariots. Are you kidding how quick he would have dealt with that? The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves to him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock. Should I have satisfied you? Did God have good plans for them? Oh, the best. That's always his plan. He's always got your best interest at heart and mind. But you got to trust him. Because it won't always look like it to you. And it's not because he's trying to trick you. It's just because your understanding is so tiny. You really have a challenge keeping up. <laughs> Which is why you got to hold on to Big Daddy's hand. Come on here with me and say, well, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm with you. Wherever you're going, I'm with you. And if you do that quickly, he will deal with your enemies. Quickly, he will subdue the things coming against you. Quickly, and he'll bring you in to the finest of the fine and the best of the best. Come on, can you see it? It was his will. He never changes. It is his will. It'll always be his will. Somebody say, God, I trust you. You are the good God. And I trust your plan. And I trust your will. And I purpose to listen to you and to trust you and to obey you. Thank you for getting me into the promised land. Hallelujah. Our time's up again. Come back for more. There'll be more in Faith School. Always at the end of the week, I like to uh, uh, speak appreciation and blessing over all of our partners. The Lord uses you to help underwrite this and send it all over the world. Uh, thank you for joining us and being a partner. And that gives me and gives us at the ministry here, a right to believe for your finances and believe with you for these things. Did you notice in that psalm we read, said he would have fed them with the finest of the wheat and honey out of the rock. Isaiah said, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That is God's will. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. Lord, I agree with our partners. I speak increase over them. And we claim, coming from every direction, the finest of the fine and the, the, the good of the land and the best of the best. You didn't, you didn't just give the wisdom for that to be made for sinners only. No, that's for your people. And so we claim it coming into their life and their businesses and their ministries. In Jesus' name, come in. Hallelujah. Said out loud, it's coming into my life. The good of the land. The best of the best is coming into my life. Hallelujah. And anytime anybody asks you about it, don't brag about how hard you worked. Give the glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, come back next week for more Faith School. There's a lot more to see. Q93.3.
Keep yourself built up. We love you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 